Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm ready. I'm sorry. I'm just, I literally woke up like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> this is very early for New York City time, even though yes. it's not early at all. Um, well, well, I'm about, about like, to almost go to bed, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to going to bed at like 6 a.m. and waking up. Yeah, I went to bed at so. 4. <laughs> yeah. So. Which is late. That's not, no, it's not late. It's early for me to go to bed that early. Uh, yeah, same. I feel that. Um, well, I'm Mart here. Oh, I'm Seat Tepper. And this is <laughs> Wig It Out! <laughs> recording! Recording on Zoom, as always. Come as on usual. in, Zoom. Oh, this is our last um, interview for the year. For the year? Oh, yeah. work. Oh, yeah, you told me We that. have okay, one more I episode, <laughs> but this is the last interview of the year, of 2020. Um, the hell year that is 2020. The hell year that is 2020. <laughs> Um, so for our last interview, who are we talking to? Okay. All the, so we have another international guest. This is our second international guest. Woo! All the way from South Africa, it's Shanae O'Brien. Woo! Hello, guys. Yay! Yay! I'm glad you're on your last interview for the year. Yeah. You're our second international guest ever. Oh, I feel quite honored and privileged. Thank yes. you, guys. <laughs> Usually they're all the way from Brooklyn, but today they're from Brooklyn. <laughs> Crossing the borders. <laughs> Where are you in South Africa, by the way? Currently. I stay in Johannesburg, the city of gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gonna... I think everybody knows kind of where Johannesburg is. <laughs> yeah, there's only like, it's like Cape Town and like Johannesburg, I feel like are the main ones. That's there. about it. Yeah. That the, the internationals know. <laughs> yeah, is everything else like rural or are there other cities we don't know about? No, no, no. There's quite a few rural um, uh, cities and metropolitans in South Africa. I mean, like we have Pretoria, we have Nelspruit, we have Port Elizabeth, we have Durban. So there's quite a few. I think the, the misperception that people have about South Africa is that we live in this rural little piece of the world where we just ride elephants and pet lions all day. <laughs> I think that's like what people think of Africa in general, because everyone thinks in Africa general. is one country, which makes no yeah. sense. Because it's so big. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but I, I, can, I can safely say that we, we drive cars and we have running water and we have electricity <laughs> and we stay in houses and not huts. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me it's not like, um, what's that, um, who's that famous South African director who does all the like robots and aliens? Oh, I can't remember. Um, Charlton Copley. Whoever, the one who like, uh, why can't I think of it? Oh, District 9. Whoever did that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. No, I, I feel think he that's is misrepresenting. He's oh, misrepresenting yeah. the country. He is literally putting out what we're not. <laughs> that's, I hope so. Because <laughs> if there's aliens running around South Africa. No, definitely. Well, it's 2020. Anything is possible. That's true. Oh, speaking, of <laughs> speaking of 2020, how has life been in a pandemic over there? It's, it's been tough. I mean, luckily we weren't hit as hard as the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, our recovery rate is quite high and our infections are quite 
low as compared to, you know, like some of the European countries and, yeah. and America. But it's been tough. I mean, like our country has, like the rest of the world, come to a kind of complete standstill. Our economy is down. Mm-hmm. Um, we've lost so many jobs. We've lost so many opportunities to perform. Yeah. Um, the venues the venues that are so few and far apart in South Africa, you know. Um, yes, <laughs> we'll offer, definitely talk about that. <laughs> yeah, don't offer the stages to perform anymore. So, but it's been, it's been tough. It's been, it's been a ride, but you know, somehow we, we keep going and we keep, you know, moving forward, hoping and praying that tomorrow will be better. I feel like you're someone who never really relied on, let's say like the club system. Cause that's like big in American drag. So yeah. I feel like you never relied on that for to like perform. So I feel like hopefully you haven't been impacted as badly. No, no, no. Luckily, luckily my my aesthetic and of drag and my performance realm has never really been set on the clubbing and the and the pub vibe, you know. Yeah. So I've always catered more to um, corporate events, private functions, birthdays, those type of things. Mm-hmm. And obviously that has been, uh, like, I have been affected by that with a lot of Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> being cancelled. But it still gave me the opportunity, even though we were in lockdown and stuff, you know, to explore um, other avenues more creatively and, and mm-hmm. you know, create online videos like half the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, see, it's like a unique situation for you guys because you can connect internationally. Like in America, yeah. we can connect internationally, but we don't really need to. But you guys, like, I feel like it definitely is probably a huge plus over there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like you, you guys, especially in your your drag scene community and all those type of things, it's I think it's a lot more recognizable than it is with South Africa. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I didn't know there was a South African drag scene at all until I started researching that. You know. <laughs> exactly. So the thing is, it's because you guys, it's it's not really a scene anymore. It's now it's more like a a culture it is this craze that just took over america and it's like it's just like i say it's huge over there and yeah in south africa it's it's we're getting there but we're not there yet yeah i mean it has we have we have had a lot of emerging you know drag artists and drag kings especially with drag king especially in south africa it's, it's taking off at this the is so interesting to me because i was talking so our other international guest was from yeah. india and like there's a some sort of emerging drag king um like phenomena just yeah happening. happening in india as well and it's just just so interesting because drag kings aren't they're part of the culture here but it's not like a huge part of the drag culture here yeah no also it's not it's not huge shit yeah i mean like i yeah. can literally think of about three people that you know that's a lot saying. for south african drag i feel like south african drag is like 10 queens maybe <laughs> <laughs> I could, I, I know I'm just being ignorant. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. But I mean, it's it's evolving. I mean, we're yeah. growing. I think, um, especially being exposed to what is happening around the world, especially in America with RuPaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, putting all the drag artists and everything, and the the art of of drag on a pedestal. Um, it's really opened the doors and avenues for a lot of people, not just South Africa around the world you know to engage in that and to experiment with that awful yeah and that's great because we'll we'll talk more about south africa lgbt <laughs> <a little> bit. <laughs> but i want to focus on you before we get into that 
So okay, our, cool. my basic question is, how did you get your drag name? I started dragging in 2009. And way back then, the culture in South Africa with, in, with regards to drag was not big or huge at all. Mm -hmm. I, I had no one to guide me. I had no one, you know, giving me assistance or showing me the ropes or anything. I went to a, a club one night and I saw three drag artists performing and I was like, oh, well, this looks like something that I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I didn't have a drag mother as mm -hmm. most young drag artists have who gets accepted in or becomes part of a drag family. Yeah. And then, you know, gets assigned a name or becomes part of a house or that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I chose my own drag name mm -hmm. <laughs> as being the independent woman that I am. Of course. <laughs> so initially it was supposed to be Shaniqua. Oh. <laughs> that sounded a bit like a hooker to me. Okay. <laughs> So I can't really say where Shanae came from. Like, I don't know how we got onto Shanae or how it was chosen or that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but my surname, O'Brien, comes from Richard O'Brien that wrote Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. okay. So that I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was an O to him. And then in my second year of drag in 2010, my favorite lecturer, um, at university passed away and his name was Renee and mm -hmm. he always during my whole first year like experimenting with the whole drag and everything he always took the time to like ask me because I when I went to university I dressed differently every single day I, I dressed in period pieces then I went like a punk then I went in medieval gowns so every day was like an experimentation for me and mm -hmm. not one day went by where he didn't ask me what's the inspiration behind today's outfit. Mm -hmm. And when he passed away in 2010, um, it was like there was this void in my life where I was like, you know, I miss him asking me what, what's the reason and what is my, my motivation for dressing, you know, uniquely or special or whatever today. So as an ode to him, I took his first name as Shanae's second name. So my full name is Shanae Renee O'Brien. Oh, that's cute. That is yeah, cute. so that's where my name comes from. I love it. <laughs> See, so when you, I first heard it, I thought yeah. it was Irish because Shanae, like Shanae O'Connor or something. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, it clearly sounds like Irish or Scottish. Well, if you can see me without the wig, I don't have hair because I shave it like super, super short. So I basically look like Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> love that. Love her. <laughs> it's been seven hours and 15 days, doll. <laughs> so you clearly like started drag like early on, I guess, in like the South African scene. So how did you yeah. like develop your drag aesthetic and performance style? So when I started drag, I didn't really have an aesthetic. I didn't yeah. really have a style that I wanted to do. Because I mean, like starting out, there wasn't really a reference point at that point because RuPaul wasn't even a thing. Back yeah, because 2009, I think, is when they, the first season either aired or they filmed it, one of them. Yeah, so, but I mean, like I started, well, I only learned about RuPaul in about 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. yeah. So way back then, it was just like, you know, a shot in the dark going like, well, I hope what I'm doing is kind of okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had no reference. The only reference point that I had was with the other queens that were around me. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, the only reference that we really had was the exaggerated drag, because that yeah. was the norm that was there. You know, if you're a drag artist, your eyebrows need to be drawn up to your hairline. You need mm -hmm. to have a blush that looks like a UV ray from the sun hit you. Um, <laughs> so as it evolved, I realized that my aesthetic of drag, I didn't necessarily want to be that extravagant, um, mm -hmm. over the top drag, if I can put mm -hmm. it that way. So I leaned more to female impersonation, yes. if I can put it that way. To, yeah, to rather embody, you know, real and truthful female features and even have my makeup, even though it is, you know, a little bit out there and not what you would wear going to, you know, a supermarket. Um, but it is more, you know, female impersonating as opposed to drag drag, if I can put it that way. Oh, I, I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide to incorporate singing into your drag? So I've always sung when I was in school and university and those type of things. And then obviously when I joined the, the, the club um, as a drag artist, they told me, well, you know, the norm is you need to lip sync. And mm -hmm. I was but I don't want to lip sync. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I find it, I find it incredible, incredibly difficult. I find it hard uh, and hats off to the queens that do lip syncing and those type of things. Cause I know that it takes a crap load of effort, you know, yeah. to do it proper. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, the thing is why I decided to do live sing is because, you know, I had this training and I was like, why? When, since I started, I was like, I don't want to be your conventional drag queen. I don't yeah. want to be somebody that conforms to the norm and be just like everybody else. And I was yeah. like, in South Africa at that point, um, I knew of one other drag artist that, that sang live, but didn't have the range that I did. So he's a baritone. Okay. And, then, and I'm a counter tenor. So I thought, well, let me use this to my advantage, you know, sing in my facetto, create that female, you know, tone. And surprisingly, it, it has opened so many doors for oh, me yeah. within my career as, a, you know, being able to sing live. And, you know, it just brings another quality to a performance, if you can put it that way. So oh, yeah. it's not just me lip syncing to Tina Turner. It's me singing Tina Turner, but, you know, putting in my own influence and my own vibe to it and creating, you know, a uniquely experience. Oh, yeah. I, it definitely makes you stand out. That's, we wouldn't have ever, like, met and connected if you hadn't, you know, if I decided to that. add singing into your performance. Because it makes yeah. you stand out. Yeah. I'm sure it opened a lot of doors. Yeah, it did. I mean, I've, I've always been performing as myself outside of drag. I studied drama at university, mm -hmm. but I've worked predominantly in musical theatre. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've done a few theatre shows and stuff. And then when I did my first theatre show in drag, which was in 2013, um, it just it just escalated from there. Like, it was received so well and different. And mm. for me, I didn't even realize the opportunities that were out there you oh, know yeah. <laughs> it just opened this magnitude of possibilities and i was like okay so i started exploring birthday parties and bachelorettes and i was just like you know what people and the thing is people crave something different they don't oh, yeah. want they don't want the same thing over and over and over so it really opened a lot of doors but the thing that opened 
the biggest role for me was was idols in 2015. Oh, yeah. and we're yeah. definitely going to talk a lot about that in our second <laughs> half i just want to pull back for a minute so um what's interesting about south africa to me is because like especially americans we have such a like small view of what africa is and yeah. I, I didn't realize when I was researching how um, like progressive South Africa is when it comes to LGBT rights, Absolutely. which is like way more progressive than in America. Like you guys have like had like a lot of like, like what's the word I'm looking for? Just like a lot of like stuff with the government that like gave you protection. Absolutely. Right? I mean, in, in 1995, South Africa was the first world in the country to rule out discrimination against sexual orientation. Yeah, um, you know, based on sex, uh, gender, and everything. I mean, we were the fifth country in the world to allow same-sex marriage. Yeah, um, you know, our, our our government has been very supportive um, towards you know the LGBTI and uh, LGBTIQA plus community, and we have been given you know a lot of rights that a lot of other countries don't allow their people to have. Um, I feel like you probably, you guys might still have even more rights than we do in America. And like this happened years and years ago. Well, we were watching your election like very closely because I mm. was so afraid that when Trump, if Trump won, that that person that he moved into the high court or the Supreme Court, you know, yeah. because it was on the table, you know, that the gay laws and everything in, mm -hmm. in America would be changed. And we were like, even though that doesn't affect us directly, you know, there is that ripple effect that yeah. will it's all over into South Africa and do we have to start, you know, fighting again for everything that we've already fought? Oh, for I forget it. <laughs> years, like, will we have to start over? So yeah. luckily, I'm very thankful that our government, but it, again, it's, it's, a, it's a coin toss because it's one thing to have it on paper in our constitution mm -hmm. and it's another thing to, you know, physically implement it into society and into yes. the world. Um, because we still, even though you know, we have a constitution that, that protects us against discrimination from race and, and sex and, you know, all these type of things. Yeah. It's still, when you go into a workspace or into public and whatever, you can't just go into a bar and just be authentically yourself because mm -hmm. you, there's still people out there, you know, who's closed-minded and narrow-minded and they don't give two shits about yeah. what the constitution say. And yeah. they were like, this is what my parents and my upbringing and my culture taught me and i am not going to deviate from that so mm -hmm. let's you know, raise them fists and let's see who wins yeah ha have you had any like personal like experiences with that like how was it growing up lgbt plus for you so i grew up in a very conservative afrikaans background okay. um yeah so it it was difficult because um like, again, I think I could just say Afrikaans conservative background. I think that is explanatory enough. Yeah. Um, it was very, it was difficult because you were constantly confronted with religious beliefs. You were constantly mm. told who you are not supposed to be. And then on the other spectrum, it's like, be who you want to be, but not too much. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was hard, but I mean... My, my dad's side comes from a very conservative side and my mother was always like a little bit more liberal. She was a little bit more open-minded. <laughs> um, so I kind of, when I wanted to experiment, even when I was younger and I was like wanting to put on her lipstick or get into her shoes, she would always allow that. But like she, was, she would never tell my dad that I did that or yeah. 
you know, allow me to do that whenever he was in, in, in the room or close by or whatever. Um, but from a family side, when I came out, my, my father's side of the family rejected me. Oh, no. And, um, yeah, they, I don't want to say, like, they, they wrote me off because they, they didn't really. But, like, the minute that I came out, it's like all connection was broken, all communication. Mm. Nobody wanted, you know, to know anything about my life. Mm-hmm. And so the only family that I really had was my chosen family that I made in my university and, you know, people who knew that I was out and gay and, you know, who accepted me and embraced me and my mother and luckily my parents, um, even though my dad's side of the family wrote me off or like distanced themselves from me, my parents were actually incredible um, regarding me coming out. They supported me wholeheartedly. Yeah. And my dad even said to me the one time when we had like this family reunion just before idols and Mm -hmm. (laughs) he he had a little bit of a drinky drink and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, um, while we were standing around the fire and he said to me, if I ever have to choose, cause he's my stepdad. So he yeah. married my mother when I was three years old. So he's okay. he basically raised me throughout mm-hmm. my life, but I see him as my dad. Yeah. Um, and then he said to me, if I ever, ever have to be put in the position where I have to choose between you and my family, I will choose you a thousand times over. Aww. and and I was just like obviously I burst out in tears crying Aww. like a little wuss um, but, it was, it was, <laughs> but it was so amazing for me to know that you know this man come that comes from this conservative background and has been taught you know that being gay is wrong and you can't love an LGBTIQ uh, child and mm-hmm. you know you need to take them to conversion therapy and pray them straight and you know hit the gayness out of them and all those type of things which is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, of course. Um, the fact that he stood up and broke away from that, I was mm-hmm. like, you know, change is coming. And the fact that he is willing to take that step to, you know, get to know who I really am and take this journey with me, I was like, this is this is this is what we need in the world. You know, oh, yeah. for someone to break that cycle and start a new journey. And just to be open-minded and take the time to get to know a person. And even if you don't approve, you don't have to accept the lifestyle that I'm living or the choices that I've made. But I need you to respect that. Because there's, re- there's a reason why we do everything that we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On that note, I think we could take a little break. <laughs> I was about to say the thing again. That was such a good way to... I know. I, know. I was like, I'm <laughs> and not little... ruin anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll be right back, kids. Wait, you just Bye! Wig, okay. And we're back. We're back. Ooh. <laughs> How long we is that break? We might use some of our break in the thing. We could. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mark here's like, no. <laughs> I mean, we can. I'll, I'll find a place for it. Some I mean, it's up good. to you. That's more editing on your end. Yep. Yeah. But we all yeah. know how that went. Mark <laughs> 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 been doing a lot of editing lately. Yeah. So, anyway, getting back to our guest. Um, so what you're probably best known for is competing in Idol South Africa, which is basically for American audiences, American Idol, but in South Africa. 
It's the but South the South Africa. African version. Yes. Yeah. Though yeah. I know it's based on Pop Idol, which is the British version, but both of them, yes. they're all based on Pop Idol from England. I mean, they all use the same template. It's just yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. So how did you even like explain your journey with that? Like, so, how did you even hear about it? Well, I actually auditioned for Idols twice prior to 2015, and I didn't even make it like past the first round. Mm -hmm. um, but then in 2015, it was actually quite, it was quite a journey because on the 31st of January, so the, the first round of auditions for Idols that, that year was on the 1st of February. And on the 31st of January, I hit the lowest, 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 lowest low I've ever had in my entire life. Like mm -hmm. I was broke, uh, I didn't have work, I was depressed. I, it, was just, it was just a really, really bad time. Yeah. And the on, the, on the 1st of February, my flatmate who I was staying with at that point said to me, well, he's going to audition for idols. Do I want to come stand in the line with him? Oh. And I was like, I honestly have no desire to go stand in a queue for eight plus hours, you know, <laughs> get sunburned and not even probably make it past the first round. Well, whatever. Yeah. So then literally, let's say 15 minutes before we left, because the auditions were in Pretoria, which is about a 40 kilometer or a 40 minute drive from Johannesburg to mm -hmm. Pretoria. And literally like 15 minutes before we left, um, my flatmate said to me, he was like, well, why don't you go with Sinead? And I was like, oh. are, you, are you mad? Like, <laughs> it's already bad standing in the queue for eight hours in flats. Now you want me to stand in the queue for eight hours in heels. Yeah. It must be delusional. <laughs> and literally five minutes before we left, I was like, oh, screw it. Let me just do it. I have absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah. And I threw on a wig, my makeup looked ratchet as shit. And <laughs> <laughs> I threw on the first outfit that I could find and we went and we got there and it was just, I can't explain the feeling that was there this day, but it was that whole, that whole vibe of like, everything is about to change. Oh. And I couldn't, and I was like, it was, yeah, it, it was so weird that day. And we literally got there and we got in the queue and we saw these two idols, official people mm -hmm. move toward us. And the guy came to me and he was like, you have an interesting look. We want to see you again. So like we skipped that entire queue, me and my friend, because I was in drag. And um, yeah, we went on to audition for, for the judges. And he didn't make it, but I did. Yay. <laughs> so my, flat, oh my. my flatmate who I went with. So he was a bit pissed that uh, I... I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't initially, uh, well, initially wanted to audition. So <laughs> Yeah. And then from there on, it was just, a, it was a roller coaster ride. So mm -hmm. we did the audition, then we did Theatre Week, which is that whole grueling section. Yeah. And after that, because... After we formed Theatre Week, it was still about three months till the episode started airing. Mm -hmm. That's and actually a very short amount of time. Usually it takes Yeah, it's a very year. short. Yeah. And then I was, in, during that period, I was just like, oh, have I made a mistake? Mm. Like going on to, to national television in drag, is South Africa ready for something like this? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't really think it through. And I was like, 
there was a point where I was considering to like phone the producers and be like, you know, please pull me from the show. Like, I think I'm not ready to do this and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was just a voice inside of me saying, you know, the time is now. Just, you know, just do it. Mm-hmm. And we did the whole theater week. And then um, obviously I, I got to top 16. Yeah. Um, which completely blew my mind because for me, coming from an entertainment background yeah. and knowing how reality TV shows work and you're like, they always need a hook. They always, they always need an interesting character, you know, to pull viewers and those type of things. So I was like, okay, cool. They'll keep me on for like the first two or three episodes. And mm-hmm. then, you know, they got what they wanted and mm. let me go. Yeah. And every, every performance where during theater week where it was like an elimination round, I was like, I didn't, I don't even want to say like, I mentally prepared myself to, to go home. I was just like, you know what? If I go home, I go home. Like yeah. I've, I've achieved more than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the live shows, which was absolutely incredible. And I did one live show and then I got kicked off. Um, <laughs> but for me, it was just in that moment, everything became bigger than myself. Because yeah. I, I really came from this whole depression thing and this whole no. And then my whole life turned 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. And when I went into the drag thing and I saw, you know, like, I was like, this is a self-gain thing. This could boost my profile. This can open more opportunities for me. And then it just blew up in my face. It, I had so many, but blowing up in my face in the good way. Okay, I was like, I hope it was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, in a good way. And I just, I, I started getting messages from, from, from teenagers and, and people from like smaller rural towns, if I can mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. Not bush, but just small <laughs> um, you know, saying thank you for, you know, being something on a, on a channel that doesn't necessarily, you know, promote the LGBTIQA, mm. you know, lifestyle and, you know, people who are different and, yeah. and, and it just, it became so overwhelming for me because I realized that there's not a lot of representation out there for LGBT individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's changed substantially now. I mean, like, if you look at something like Netflix, you can't, it's just, there's LGBT shows everywhere, which is yeah. amazing. But I mean, way back in 2015, it was just, it was overwhelming for me. And I was like, and that's where my career path kind of changed. And I was yeah. like, as much, as much as I enjoyed the performing and everything, and I still love the performing and I still do that. Um, but I, I changed my direction because I was like, there's, there's such a need for people to have you know relatability there's such a need for people to be able to identify with other people and not feel alone in the world and i think that is where the lgbtiq plus activism spark was lit in my life um but the whole journey of idols we'll get to the activism part but the whole journey of idols it was i to be quite honest i did receive a lot of backlash from from heterosexual society being Ooh. like why are we exposing our children you know to this devil and this sinful way and all those type of things and i was just like it's the 21st century bitch Get yeah also and like you're like so non-threatening i feel like <laughs> no no i'm not like, my, biggest thing in life, my biggest thing in life is just to be kind to other people and to exude love 
mm -hmm. and you know, to give people the acceptance that they so rightfully deserve. Yeah. And yeah, so I received backlash, but it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was like life-threatening or horrible, let me put yeah. it that way. Mm -hmm. It was more, it was more in the line of why is a man dressed as a woman taking a female spot? Why is she really? not Really? Oh, did they do it by, did they do um, like, like eight men and eight women? Yeah, so uh, I, was, okay. I, I, I formed part of the females, yeah. Yeah, okay. I so, forgot they used to do that. They couldn't yeah, get away with that yeah. in 2020. So, tell you that much. Wow. <laughs> but again, with the with the bad came so much good because mm -hmm. I had so many people standing up for me and people, you know, rooting for me and saying, you know, it's about time that we see something different. It's about time that, you know, a minority group gets recognized on such yeah. a big, you know, national channel, if I can put it that way. Yeah. So as much as there was backlash, I didn't really pay attention to it because my focus was on rather embracing the good and focusing on what was out there and my mission to create more visibility. Yeah, that's really important. I feel like, so I did a lot of research on South Africa. I, and like, I feel like around that time, there became a lot more drag representation on like these like talent shows absolutely so yeah. do you think you brought about that change <laughs> um it's it's difficult to say it's really difficult to say even though like i was i was obviously the first south african drag artist on idol south africa ever yeah. but i was mm -hmm. also i don't want to say i was the first drag artist in south africa to be like on a national show type mm -hmm. thing so I know Manila Vantiz, who was on SA's Got Talent, who made it to the top two. Like yeah. she was the she was the first drag artist of SA's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. So, but I think to a certain sense, the the visibility that me and Manila created, you know, mm -hmm. being on such a public pedestal and showcasing who we really are, yeah. I think did contribute to you know other drag artists and and people becoming more accepting and more experimental and being like you know these people are breaking you know the boundaries people are breaking the stigma they're creating a way for us and mm -hmm. we need to we need to ride that train for as much as we can is there still a lot of like lgbt representation on like mainstream television in south africa actually recently yes so okay that's good yeah, no, actually, it's, it's definitely changed. On one of um, We're Queer My Dear's episodes, we spoke now about um, representation in the media, especially in South Africa. But um, in terms of soaps and those type of things, we've had our first um, same-sex interracial couple. We've had a transgender character on an Afrikaans, a very popular Afrikaans soap. We've had a gay marriage, um, you know? And it's the thing is, people still get upset when they see this. Mm -hmm. But it's it's showcasing everyday life, what is out there. Yeah. And the thing mm. I always tell people, and this is my biggest thing, I always tell people, you don't need to accept it, but you need to respect it. And if you don't like it, don't look. <laughs> it's, it's as easy as that. Like, we can't please everyone. I'm not a jar of Nutella. But <laughs> <laughs> you can't please everyone. So... But yeah, no, like the representation in South Africa, I do have to say, like, it is a lot more out there. And I think because we have a constitution that supports it, 
Um, yes. People do have a little bit more free reign, you know, to putting storylines and, and queer individuals out there on, on platforms. Also, I feel like it's good television. Like, it is good television. Like, it's going to bring people in. People want to see it. Exactly. Exactly. Did RuPaul's Drag Race ever, like, make it over there in a big way? Because I know it affected a lot of countries, but I don't know about that. Oh, my lord. It was a cult. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was literally, like, I'm probably the worst drag artist in the world because I've stopped watching RuPaul at season six. Don't worry. So you're, you're among many Bianca, in Brooklyn. <laughs> when Bianca Del Rio won, I was like, there's nobody in this world that's going to be better than that bitch. Um, <laughs> but, like, I've stayed up to date with, like, obviously who's won the seasons yeah. after then. Mm-hmm. Just, like, I haven't watched the episodes religiously. But, yeah. Surprisingly enough, like, like RuPaul became such a mainstream thing um, within the heterosexual community in South Africa. Like, yeah. I would have, like, these very, like, Afrikaans, proper Buddha, you know, guys come to me and say, oh, yeah, did you see that Sasha Valua? Did you see her? Like, she's so, you know, and I was like, okay, but you're supposed to be, like, plowing a farm or a field or something. <laughs> like, why are you watching RuPaul's Drag <laughs> um, But, yeah, so, no, it, it definitely made it over here, like, big time. And I think till, like, even this year, mm-hmm. um, it, it's still, like, people watch it, people follow it, people... Um, because it, it's good entertainment. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. RuPaul, RuPaul found something which people can enjoy, which they don't mm. really have to think about. And I mean, yeah. it's so entertaining. The amount of drama that is being created on that show is just incredible. <laughs> I'm sure the producers will love to hear that. <laughs> um, so has your um, time on television like helped you go into producing yourself with your new series, Work Queer, My Dear, for YouTube? Yeah, so I didn't initially, I never intended to become a producer or, you know, to create my own show or whatever. It was, I don't want to say it like it happened by accident because nothing in this world really happens by accident. Yeah. Um, but what, it, it opened a lot of doors and opportunities for me, but I never really thought of venturing into, you know, creating. So, mm-hmm. well, apart from the performing stuff. And then in the end of 2019, was it? No, uh, end of 2018, um, I went to go take a walk in the park with one of my friends. And just before I went, I read this article about an American boy, uh, American transgender boy who committed suicide because his parents um, sent him to conversion therapy and mm. tried to pray straight and all those type of things. And, and that, it really bothered me, even though it wasn't in South Africa and like, it was, I, I only skimmed through the article and I was mm-hmm. like, but it really upset me and it stuck with me. And I, and I spoke to my friend and I said to him, how is this, how is this still happening in the 21st century? Like mm. we, we have progressed so much and yet we, we, we still so primitive. Yes. And I said to him, I wish there was something that I could do, you know, to raise more awareness and create a platform where you know, education is accessible and information is accessible, but, but really like purely from a South African point of view, because it's so easy to read something that happened in India or Sri Lanka or America or wherever, mm-hmm. but nobody on home soil really talks about the issues that we as South Africans face. Mm. And we spoke about it and I left it. 
And then literally in January, he came back to me and was like, I can't stop thinking about, you know, our conversation that we had. And I was like, well, then let's do something about it. And that's where the idea of where Queer My Dear started. And it was a whirlwind of a first season. I mean, like, we spoke about it in December. January, he brought it back up. In March, we shot the promo. In June, we let out the first five episodes. And then we won the Media of the Year Award, like oh. six months, only after being on air for six months. Um, and I was like, this is crazy because there's obviously a need for this. There's mm-hmm. obviously people are taking note of it. People are gaining from it, learning from it. And um, yeah, so, and then I was considering, I, I didn't plan on doing a second season though. So just mm-hmm. to put it out there for your viewers. So we're yeah. ideas is an online LGBT uh, educational platform that's available on YouTube at SA, um, where me and four, uh, three other panelists tackle everyday topics that the LGBT community, you know, are confronted with and faces, especially um, homophobia, religion, bullying, you know, like all the big topics. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't plan on doing a second season and then we won the award and then I kind of felt obligated to do <laughs> the second season. <laughs> and, um, but it was it was really tough for me because I self-funded the entire first season. Oh. So I took about twenty five thousand rand from my savings account, which is about roughly, if I'm not mistaken, oh, I'm gonna lie, but let's say it's around like five thousand dollars for you okay. guys. That's yeah, a so lot of money. <laughs> that is a lot of money, girl. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I said. I will do a second season on one condition that we find a sponsor or a mm. partnership or something yeah. like that. And then we had one and then, hello, pandemic. Yeah. And <laughs> so our sponsorship withdrew. And then I, I kind of made peace with the fact that, you know what, maybe season two is not going to happen this year. Mm. And then in July, a company called The Other Foundation, which um, primarily focused on LGBT uh, visibility and um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Um, it will come to me. But LGBT visibility and progressive, you know, putting LGBT on a pedestal out there to show that, you know, this is what we face and we are actually, I don't want to say we're normal, but we're, we're, we're you, if yeah. I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. And then they came to me and they were, and they were like, okay, cool. So, we, we've seen your series. We actually really like it. Mm-hmm. Here's some money. Make a second season. Yay. <laughs> yeah. and I was Who's like, going to well, do that I- for us, Martyr? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the second season happened very quickly. So, I think they let us know in Jul- end of July that we got our funding. Then, in August, our funding was paid. Then Yay. I had a month. I had a month to put the entire season two together mm-hmm. and we shot on the third and the fourth of October and the first episode started running on the 11th of October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been going like we, we literally finished our last episode tonight of season two and then the oh. recap episode Congrats. is out next week and then we're done. Yeah. Ah, is there going to be a season three? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's difficult to say right now. It's so weird that you ask this question because everybody that's been watching season two, everybody now that it's ending is like, is there going to be a season three? And I'm like, guys, can I just get through this year without <laughs> you know, losing the little hair that I have? <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe maybe who knows what 2021 will bring yeah we, you need more sponsors get more sponsors i need more sponsors but yeah but luckily this year like what i'm very grateful for is we've partnered with amazing brands this year which i never thought you know would have come on board um mm-hmm. with wkmd i mean like we had a major partnership with one of the, the our biggest malls in johannesburg which is rosebank mall where they created this entire LGBT installation within the mall with WKMD, our posters, our faces won posters ah. in the mall. It was incredible. And then for Pride Month, I partnered with Ford, which is, well, the car brand, but yeah. for Ford South Africa. And we did like this whole internal talk about inclusivity and diversity within the workspace and desensitization and all those type of things. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's really making a difference out there. And the thing is with my, with my style of drag and my whole mission in drag, if I can Mm -hmm. put it that way, is like, as much as I want to be known or remembered as, you know, being a funny, entertaining performer and, you know, someone who has always looked her best and everything, Mm -hmm. I also want to be remembered for not changing the world, but, you know, throwing a pebble in the pond and starting the ripple effect. Yeah, that's, that's like a that's, very noble goal. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's like my thing because I, I, I'm not going to change the world overnight, and I'm very realistic about that. But it every every revolution started with one idea or one, you know, one step or whatever. So if I'm going to take that step and, you know, be the beginning point for somebody else to take over, then I'm more than happy to do that. Sounds noble and good to me. (laughs) I'm proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, On that note, we're going to take our last Last little break. break. And we'll get into our usual debauchery of questions. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back, kids. Bye. Bye. Okay. And we're back. We're back. After on our a long breaks, break we're learning of... a lot about South Africa because yeah, Americans are stupid and we don't. Know. We're all yeah. unemployed here in New York City. <laughs> oh, doll, join the club! Like, I've oh, you're in the unemployment club. Woo! I've been I've been fun employed since 2009. Oh wow! But yeah, you do I've like been, a lot I've of been... freelance work. I've, I've, I've been freelancing basically my entire life. Yeah. 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 Which I, which has its downfalls, but. Oh, I, I know. I, I've freelanced almost my entire life as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I would much rather freelance and hustle and make, do things that make me happy than sit Absolutely. behind a day from nine to five and want to kill myself. Yeah. No, I, I'm a, like, I'm a thousand percent with you. Yeah. <laughs> Which in America is very hard to do. We don't get like any sort of any 
anything. We don't get health care. We don't get any yeah. sort of protections. We're all screwed over. But, but do you think now with Biden coming back into office, do you think that you guys will get Obamacare and all those things? Back? So they never took away Obamacare, but it's, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's very strange. Like, it's not really full protections. And if you make too much money, they'll kick you off. Okay. It's like, it's very complicated here. And like, no matter what you do, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Obamacare was kind of like a little band-aid on a giant wound. It never fixed anything. That's quite interesting though. Because it's so weird. Because from from a viewpoint in South Africa, we look at, you know, New York and America being like, you know, the land of the great and greener (laughs) path. and everything and then you talk to people living there and just like oh fuck we're staying right here (laughs) who said that you know the movie rent that's us (laughs) 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 yeah actually that's pretty accurate that sucks especially currently (laughs) (laughs) yeah i didn't realize how accurate that was it's true (laughs) see the thing is with south africa because i'm very like aware of like how it is like how it actually is it is so nice over there it's like i know they like try to get tourists over there but i would totally go it seems super nice like the thing is south africa is really really nice and i mean like especially with tourists and everything there's a lot to do this side and i mean like i don't know they have penguins (laughs) say again that you, you guys have penguins that's amazing we have penguins i'm yes. like obsessed I, penguins are my favorite animal <laughs> I mean, oh like, literally, there's literally a town just outside of cape town called simon's town uh-huh. where they have it's called boulders beach yeah and it's literally this beach filled with penguins and you can oh. go down onto the beach and just chill with the penguins. Oh, I want to ask. It's hard in quarantine because like we literally cannot go anywhere and I just like- Have, have your borders not opened yet? Oh no. <laughs> okay, but I mean like, let's be honest, your country is a little bit more fucked than ours. Oh, we uh, are yeah. so fucked. Everyone's dying. <laughs> yeah. yeah Martyr had great. COVID. I did have COVID. Yeah. That was fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Almost everyone I know had it. Oh, crap. You see, the thing is, in South Africa, we we have it. But the the thing is, again, with our government is so fucking corrupt. Um, um, we don't know <laughs> what the actual numbers are. COVID numbers are. Yeah. And I mean, like, the, the thing is now, somebody dies in a car crash, and then they just like, oh, it was COVID-related. What? And I, I mean, mean we're like, trying to do the same thing here, but... They're not getting away with it as well. Yeah, yeah, no, they literally, like, we don't know what the what the real statistics are, if we can put it that way. Because when yeah. we moved from, because our daily infection rate, when we were on level two, I don't know if you guys have the levels over there. <laughs> it's, I don't even know. Like, New York has its own weird thing going Kind of, on. but not really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. But like, Most people are pretending it's not happening. Yeah. Like, in South Africa, it is happening. People are aware of it, but you know, it's it's become a lot more relaxed now, if I can put it that way. Mm. People still wear their masks and stuff. That's good. But, but we have seen a resurgence of like you know gatherings and stuff happening now, oh. where it's a lot of people, mm. um, and now the the obviously the infection rate has gone up again. But I mean, what I wanted to say, like we had five levels, so level five oh. was. Um, 
the country was in total lockdown. You couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they moved us gradually down to three, uh, four, three, and two. And then on level two, you could kind of do normal things, but like you couldn't go to the theater. You couldn't have alcohol in restaurants. You couldn't, mm-hmm. it was like all these ludicrous rules, if you can put it that way. But I mean, like on level two, our daily infection rate was like, let's say, for instance, 11,000 people. And then the minute that they moved us down from level two to level one, the daily infection rate was like 2,000. Oh, and I was wow. like, and I was like, that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. That makes no sense. So, so what happened now is our president, like he speaks to us on a monthly basis now. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a talk on Thursday. What's, yeah, on Thursday. And then he put, so the entire country is still on level one, except for oh. Nelson Mandela Bay, which is Port Elizabeth. Okay. They've been, they've been put under stricter uh, lockdown regulations because they are seen as a hotspot. Oh, there's probably a lot yeah, of people. So, so we also have a curfew. So you're not allowed to be out of your house between the hours of 12 and 4. Wow. We... Do we have a curfew? I don't think we do currently. Yeah. So, but now for instance, so for instance now, the entire country is on curfew, so you have to be home by 12, and then you can yeah. only leave your house by 4. Mm-hmm. But now Nelson Mandela Bay and Port Elizabeth, they've been put under curfew, they need to be home by 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have like a curfew so, in the sense that things We don't really have... Well, you can't take down. the subway after 1 o'clock, right? That's yeah, the thing. subways oh, at why. 1, and then restaurants and uh bars have to be like 10 or yeah, 11 they're 10, they're 10. Think maybe yeah. 10 okay yeah even our restaurants the side like they close around nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. yeah i went yeah. on a walk last night and everything was like shutting down and it was like 9 30. <laughs> see but the bodegas are still open so that's they don't count so, they're, so they're gonna live forever it's so hectic for me because at night, and well, when it was normal, you could just like get in your car and go to the McDonald's at like three in the morning and get fucking whatever. Yeah. And now you have to like plan your whole day to be like, I need to get to McDonald's by 8.30. Oh my God. That's me with Starbucks because Starbucks closes here at um five. I think they closed at oh, five. Six. Six. Only, no, six. some of them close at six, but m- the ones in my neighborhood all close at five. And I'm like, I wake up at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Like, how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> it's like very upsetting. Like, that's like the one thing I'm upset about. Oh my God, make your coffee at home or your tea at home. <laughs> so where in New York do you say, Kate? So um, I'm in Manhattan because I moved in with my boyfriend. So I'm like oh. right in the center. And then Martyr okay. lives in Brooklyn, which is right next to Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I only know Manhattan from the Sarah Borelli song and Brooklyn <laughs> and Brooklyn from Two Bro Girls. <laughs> oh, Two Bro Girls. Wow. <laughs> That's definitely not Brooklyn. Because <laughs> they like film that in LA. That's like the cleanest Brooklyn you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, it's misrepresentation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, like everyone thinks like South Africa is like the rest, like the Sahara or something. But, but that's how it's, it's portrayed like, in mass media. It's like yeah. South Africa is shown as like this rural bush yeah. area. But people think people all wearing, of Africa is like that, which is like not... There's like really big animal city. skin for clothes. 
Yeah. And I'm just like, bitch, calm your tits. We have an H and M and a Y D E and everything. Else. <laughs> um, no, that the only pretty metro, uh, metropolitan. The only popular media I can think of that's about South Africa, particularly, is a Disney Channel original movie called The Color of Friendship. <gasps> yes, The Color of Friendship. <laughs> that's a big one in America. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, um, you know, apartheid. Yeah, it's like the apartheid or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like weird. apartheid light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a very, well, I'm, I, I think I know it, like, because Mandela, the movie with Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably like the last big thing. Oh, what was that other movie with Matt Damon? The, yeah, what's the soccer movie? Black Diamond. Yeah. Oh, Black Diamond. What was the thing called? Uh, I don't know. It's some football movie. Invictus, yeah. wasn't it? Invictus? Yeah, Invictus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all we know. But I also know just because of um, District 9. Because he's in South <laughs> Africa. <laughs> but that's literally just played off in, in Cape Town, in the Cape Flats. Yeah, that looked crazy. I hope it's not like that. You know what else we it's know South Africa from? not like that. <laughs> um, Trevor we, Noah is from South Africa. So we know, like... He is, he yeah. is. But I, w- I wonder if he's still classifies himself as a, as a South African because I mean um, like I don't know I mean he, his accent is still very strong so I can't take it's that very away. strong but I mean like South Africa loves Trevor Noah and like uh-huh. he's in the news constantly this side but because you know he's one of the biggest exports from oh South yeah Africa, absolutely I mean between him and Charlize Theron I forget are, she's from South Africa yeah, she is from Her accents side, are but, good. I mean, in South Africa, people say Charlize Throne, because that's, <laughs> that's how we pronounce Theron. Theron. Um, but yeah. Theron. <laughs> I forgot she's from South Africa. Yeah, I mean, like, she... It's because she, she's good at accents. She, she only plays American characters. She is very good at accents, though. But yeah. I love this last movie that she did now. What was it called? Um... Uh, some I don't know. I can't remember the fucking name now. But <laughs> the last Is it a lot something. of the last something. But anyway, it was quite good. Yeah, we're learning uh, a lot. Learning I definitely lot recommend good. looking up about South Africa because I learned so much when I was researching mm. about it. It is Big- an interesting country. Oh yeah. There's is a lot of diversity. I mean, I think even though we're such a small country, I think we have one of the biggest diversities in the entire world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, it's like a lot of different Europeans and then, you know, the... Cultures the and everything. It yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of South Africa, do you think there'll ever be a drag race South Africa? Um, it's difficult to say. Like, I don't want to say that we are not on the standard that has been showcased globally. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think the drag scene in South Africa is as big yet yeah. to, to be put on a show like RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there has been variations of the show in South Africa. Oh, not, I didn't know not that. Full on drag race, not full on drag race. Oh, okay. But um, there, there has been interest you know, mm-hmm. in doing stuff like that and, you know, showcasing the drag artistry in South Africa. And I've been approached by two production companies who are looking to do something similar in 2021. So it's Ooh. obviously still talking everything. But um, I don't think RuPaul as such will come to South Africa. I think, the th- I think the biggest hurdle in terms of that is paying the royalties. 
Uh, well, I, a certain country is having an issue with that currently. Ooh. Yeah, so the yeah. thing is, it's quite an expensive endeavor, mm-hmm. um, especially to buy the rights and, you know, to, to do it this side. So I don't think, as per se, RuPaul's Drag Race will come to South Africa, but there mm-hmm. might be a variation of a drag race show happening here. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I feel like the not. world needs to know. Well, I feel like Holland, like, no one thought that place would have had it, their own show either because... When I did my research about European drag, yeah. I really didn't get any of like Dutch queens on my yeah. radar. The only one I knew about was Envy Peru. So yeah. if the, they could make a I show, mean, I feel like South Africa could make a show. I mean, like we have the diversity this side to, oh, yeah. to definitely to definitely, you know, bring that entertainment value to a show and to showcase, you know, the difference the different drag styles that are in South Africa. Because I mean of all the drag artists that I can quickly come to think of, like, mm-hmm. I, there's not one aesthetic that's the same. Everybody oh. is different. Well, um, what would, like, a typical drag, like, show be? Like, different, what different styles would be showcased? Um, the thing is, it's difficult because, I mean, a lot of the, the drag artistry that happens the side is more realistically based if i can put it that way so it's not your over-the-top drag type okay. thing but it's more you know subtle mm-hmm. but it's subtle but in a in a very out there way i don't know how to explain it i'll send you some pictures that you can look at some of the queens um but it's is there yeah. like a lot of is there like a big dance like scene over there? I feel like maybe not a, not at all. Believe it or oh, not. Oh really? Very, I'm surprised. We have very few venues that actually mm. allow drag performance uh, performances to happen. I mean, the yeah. only two or three that I can think of is Berta's in Cape Town, Babylon in Johannesburg, and ETC in Pretoria. Mm-hmm. Those are the only three that I can think of. And also, with our drag performances, it has started now but it's not there yet like where as your drag performances you know get tips from the audience members where they're given a dollar or ten dollars or whatever um we don't have that here Mm -hmm. like people don't tip (laughs) so you perform and you're just like okay well that was fun um (laughs) yeah but that's around the world that don't tipping only happens in america yeah. yeah, well, we've started now with it. Like, I've Oh, you have? It. Wow. Like, I've seen a few videos where people are, like, waving a 20 rand bill in the air and, like, take my money. Oh, that's so, great. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, we're getting there and we, we're catching on to the American culture. Yeah. Which I, think is cool. I mean, drag artistry, it's, it's an expensive hobby, if I can oh. put it that way. Oh, yeah. I hate it. Um, it's, I hate it's really expensive. <laughs> it's really expensive and... I don't think people, well, general public, always realize the effort that mm-hmm. that goes into, you know, being a full rounder drag artist. Oh yeah. Do you have any future projects you want to promote right now? So, that we should know about. Nothing too hectic. I mean, like 2020, as much as we've hit a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very blessed to to have still been active and working and had opportunities come my way. Like, I mean, I was part of Global Pride that happened in June. I was part of Pride of Freak, which was the first African uh, African continent pride that happened up in Nigeria. Wow, there was an African continent pride? I'm really shocked. (laughs) You must go look. It's called Pride of Freak. I will send you the the link. That's amazing. Um, 
So they had that. And I mean, then obviously WKMD, with the show, we partnered with some, just when the pandemic hit, we partnered with some companies where we um, provided counseling for LGBT individuals, you know, because obviously a lot of people were caught in spaces that weren't necessarily LGBT friendly. Yeah. Um, you know, those type of things. So we did mm -hmm. offer them with counseling and stuff. I released like little homemade videos, like performance videos that I did. So I'm really, so the only upcoming project that's still left for the year is yeah. I recorded an Afrikaans parody version of All I Want for Christmas from Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So, and it's, ba and it's basically just to sum up, you know, the, the shit storm that has been uh. 2020 in South Africa. So that's the only project that's coming up, which is launching next week, Tuesday on the 15th of December. So that's and this episode should be out by then. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be out on YouTube and Facebook. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's it for the year. And then hopefully I'm putting it out there, but again, it's a lot of work. WKMD season three. Yay! I hope it happens. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. So if we'll there's see. any American advertisers, give some money their way, and then give some money our way. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's <laughs> support, support, support content creators. <laughs> um, what's the best advice you've been given about doing drug, or that you've learned about doing drug? The best advice that I've learned about doing drag is, and this is going to sound very crude, but mm -hmm. it is what it is, is be the fuck whoever you want to be. Mm. Like, just embrace who you want, who you are. Embrace what you want to do. Like, don't conform to what people's expectations of you should be. Um, always, you know, people are going to have an opinion but like their bank account, it's insufficient. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, yeah. If they, if they ain't paying your bills, you pay them no mind. Absolutely. So, pay them bitches no mind. Yeah. So, but I think like my best advice is just like, do you, do mm -hmm. you. Unapologetically and authentically. Yeah. I think it helped you open a lot of doors. And now you're opening a lot of doors for other people. By being yeah, it's, it's all about paying it forward. And like I say, if I, I just want to leave this world and this community and everything a little better than I found it. Mm -hmm. um, I want to make the journey a little bit easier for the next person. I don't want the next person to have to question and find answers for the stuff that I had to find answers for. Like that next person, the answers should already be there just for them to take and to go with it. So yeah, that, I feel like that is why I found my purpose in life. As much as I enjoy performing and stuff, it's mm -hmm. for me to create uh, visibility and, and, and educate society out there and to, to make the LGBT community a little bit more normal if i can put it that way for for the outsider to see that mm -hmm. we're not strange aliens from a different planet and you know or just because we love the same sex doesn't make us you know bad people mm -hmm. um at the end of the day love is love and love should be celebrated despite gender race or whatever oh yeah 
That's yeah. very inspiring. I feel very I inspired right now, <laughs> which is funny because of our next question is like the opposite of all this inspiration. <laughs> Martyr, take it away. <laughs> That's my one question. Martyr gets one question per episode. Yep. Oh, <laughs> That's in my contract. <laughs> um, okay. Can you tell us your most wild, crazy, insane story um, that you've experienced while in drag, while seeing drag, while being in nightlife, while being a queer person? What is the most insane thing that comes to your head when you think of that? Insane, incredible thing that has happened or insane, embarrassing that has happened? Probably the embarrassing, but whatever (laughs) you feel. (laughs) Okay. There's always one event that comes to mind, and mm-hmm. it was in 2014. <laughs> okay. I was, I was performing at a casino in Johannesburg, oh. and we had, like, this little show called The Vaga Girls, where it was, like, all these girls in feathers, very showgirl-like, if I can put it that way. Okay. And, and I was, like, the drag entertainment act that opened the show and closed the show. Mm-hmm. And... At the end of the show, I did River Deep Mountain High by the queen herself, Celine Dion. Oh, a classic. And I remember that night I wore this black tulle skirt with this long black weave or black wig and this gold sequins jacket. I actually have a picture and I will send it to you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I remember because the stage was quite small. Mm-hmm. And I had to like move and shuffle my way down from the dressing room on the side of the stage past them to get to the front of the stage so that I could go to the back of the room and enter from there. And as I was moving, I, I stood under a light fixture. And as I stood there, I don't know how the fuck this happened, <laughs> but my wig got caught in the light. Uh oh. And I didn't know. Okay. And as I moved, as I was like, cool, I'm going to make my move now to get off the stage. As I moved, my wig pulled me back and mm-hmm. my heel slipped. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I fell off the stage oh, with no. my wig still hanging in the light fixture. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of iconic. And, uh, it, well, it was quite embarrassing, but like the only thing that I could come up and, and say to the people was like, well, I guess the secret's out. I'm a man. <laughs> I like but, that. Um, but I think that's like my most embarrassing thing. Like I've mm-hmm. never, like I'm always a very cautionate uh, performer. Like I'm mm-hmm. always very aware of my surroundings because I don't want to say like I'm a perfectionist, but like I don't want to be put in a situation where an embarrassing situation can mm-hmm. arise. <laughs> well, you already got so, it out of the way, so I think you're good. But I mean, you know, the universe and karma will always be like, bitch, I'm coming <laughs> for you. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that one. I feel like in Manhattan would try to do that. Not Manhattan, in Brooklyn would try to do that on purpose. Yeah, that's <laughs> like my most embarrassing story. But, uh, you know, it's memories and you live and you learn and you take your wig. <laughs> <laughs> So, talking about your wig, where do you want to take your drag in the future? What's your goals for your career? Uh, It's difficult because I've had an 11-year-long career, which I didn't anticipate. Like, Mm -hmm. I never thought thought that when I went to that club in 2009, that 
I would venture into the world of drag and make a career out of it. So for me to be here 11 years later and still be a working performer and still be creating and still doing new things and exploring and learning is, it's a blessing in itself. But for me, I, I just turned 31 this year. Happy and birthday. Thank you. Yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was actually a month ago. Ah. Um, oh, oh, so you're a year older than me. We can be old together. Oh. <laughs> you look a day over 21. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so the thing is for me, every I don't really plan that far ahead. And I think if anything, this year has taught us that there's no point in really, you know, trying to plan your life as far ahead as you want because, you know, stuff can just change in an, in an instant. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, where I'm, where I'm seeing my drag going is to be able to perform and to create for as long as I can, um, to still create educational platforms. And my big thing that I really want to get into next year is to bring LGBT visibility and awareness into secondary education, because I feel ah. that, is, that is a very, there's a big gap there. Yeah. Um, not a gap because they don't want it, but a gap because people fear what society will say if we introduce children into or expose children to the LGBTIQA lifestyle Mm -hmm. and what it's all about. So I am in talks with one of our political parties called the Democratic Alliance Mm -hmm. um, to to try and get Queer Queer Media into uh, secondary and primary institutions where we can address kids and expose children to to the LGBTIQA plus community and not necessarily enforce and tell people to be gay or lesbian or whatever, but just to to try and curb the bullying and all those things that happen in schools. Because it's a very confusing time. And if I think back um, when I was in school, like there was no one there to give me guidance. There was no one there to to tell me, okay, but this is maybe what you're feeling. And like there was no safe space for me to turn to. Mm-hmm. And that's my main priority and my main focus that I want to do is like create safe spaces for people and for children to be accepted and to feel comfortable to be who they are, whatever that may be. That's amazing. Mm, You're going to change so the awesome. world. Yeah, so <laughs> I know. I'm like, what are we doing with our lives here? We're not doing anything. <laughs> God we're damn. just a giant shit post over here yeah so i'm glad we have people in the world like yeah, you yeah we need more people like change. you holy shit <laughs> oh my That's gosh, amazing. like i'm blushing now <laughs> <laughs> well thank yeah. you so much for yeah. coming on our little show <laughs> you're, you're trying to call it a shit show you're like not not this episode <laughs> this uh, thank um, you guys so much and yeah. it's not it's not a little show like again my show is also little and i mean at the end of the day for me it's like my biggest goal was if it reaches one person if it touches Mm. one person if one if one person can take something from this and pay it forward i've achieved my goal i've done what i needed to do and i think the fact that you guys are creating a platform where people from all walks of life and diversities and backgrounds can come onto a show and express their views and give their opinions and create 
um, a space, you know, for other people to learn. I think that is absolutely incredible. And thank you so much for having me on your show. And it's been an absolute honor to finally see you face to face, even though it's by Zoom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, thank you so much. Um, I got to use this it... endorsement somewhere. <laughs> 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 Put it on my um, resume. Where can the kids find you online? So I am available all over the atmosphere of social media. So you can find me on, <laughs> you can find me on Facebook at Shanae O'Brien. And then on Instagram, I have a joint account. So it's my real life and my drag life put together. So that's, you can just search. I'm not even going to try and pronounce my real name for you guys. Oh no, please. I really want to know how you pronounce it. Cause I've, okay, I've been so struggling. You pronounce it. T-art. T-art. Okay. Yeah, so the best way to explain it is the letter T and a yeah. heart. Okay, I got it. That's the best way. So it's T-R-T Lee, L-I, Shanae O'Brien. That's my Instagram handle. And then on Instagram, on Twitter, I'm just at Shanae O'Brien. And then obviously on YouTube and all those other places, but the links are on my social media platforms. And we'll link them all here as well. Well, yep. Yes. We'll be in and the... please, 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 please go and follow We're Clear My Dear on Facebook and Instagram share the episodes if you can relate um yeah i mean it, i we, we speak to a south african audience but i think it's something that every lgbt individual can relate net worldwide oh yeah love that um, i gotta follow them <laughs> i'm like all right i gotta go add every episode i'm like all right i gotta go add someone's twitter blah blah, blah. <laughs> um well, thank you again, babe, for Yay. coming on our show. Um, oh, and stay tuned. Um, our next episode is our wrap-up of 2020. The Hellfire that's exciting. of 2020. We're, oh, God. That's going to be something. But I'm Martyr. I'm C. Tepper. And this was Wigging Out. Woo! Bye, kids! Bye. I'm C. Tepper. You can follow me on Instagram at C-T-E-P-P-E-R and read my book, The State of Drag, where I interviewed 175 drag queens from around the world. All proceeds go to charity on Amazon.com. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at DragTheMartyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, dick pics, send them to DragTheMartyr at gmail.com. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Pandora. And catch up with past episodes on work.com. That's W-E-R-R-R-K.com. Artwork for Wigging Out was provided by Glitter Baby Online. That's Glitter Baby Online. Thank you. Ha <laughs> ha!